0: For Pacifica Radio, January the 18th, 2024, I'm Scott Horton. This is Anti-War Radio. And all right, y'all. Welcome to the show. It is Anti-War Radio. I'm your host, Scott Horton. I'm editorial director of Anti-War.com and author of Enough Already. Time to end the war on terrorism. You can find my full interview archive, as of today, 6,000 of them now, going back to 2003, at scotthorton.org, at youtube.com, slash Show, all your favorite podcatchers and video sites and things. And you can follow me on Twitter, if you dare, at Scott Horton Show. All right, and I'm happy to welcome back to the show, Tim Shorrock. He is the author of the book, Spies for Hire, and is a real expert on American Korea policy. You can follow him on Patreon.com, where he has a brand new post that just went up beyond utopia, another false narrative about Korea. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing, Tim?
1: I'm doing well, thanks, Scott.
0: Well, I'm very happy to have you back on the show, and, you know, I'm grateful that I have you to rely on. A friend sent me this article. By a guy named Carlin that I don't know, uh, but I know you do, and but it was also it was co-authored by Siegfried Hecker. And I do know, I don't know him, but I know about him. I know he's the guy that was allowed to go and tour the YongByong nuclear reactor in North Korea in, I believe two thousand and four, and is uh, widely considered, and I believe by you as well, to be the uh, West's foremost expert on North Korea's nuclear weapons program and very successful one apparently according to his latest piece here they estimate that they have as many as 50 atom bombs now in there i don't know if that's really right the previous estimate i had heard was a couple of dozen which is still more than enough and then but quite alarmingly tim they say in this article i guess essentially while everybody's looking at eastern europe and the middle east The North Koreans have completely scrapped their previous doctrine going back to the grandfather and the end of the Cold War that we want to try to cozy up to the United States. And that has that policy has now failed so abjectly that they have now completely abandoned it. They are now turning toward China and Russia And they're preparing for war, even nuclear war, with South Korea, Japan, and the United States right now. And I don't know, man. Joe Biden's in charge, so I'm expecting the worst. I know that Biden is absolutely as intransigent as Obama and W. Bush before him on this issue, unlike Bill Clinton and Uh, who I hate to give credit for anything, but he did. And Donald Trump did try to do something here. But so I wonder, first and foremost, can you talk to me about that? Do you agree with them that right now in North Korea, there is a major revolution in their foreign policy doctrine against the United States and toward violent conflict?
1: Uh, No, I don't agree with their their analysis. I think there's some accuracy in it. I, I think they really miss how much the US under Biden and also Trump have escalated the situation uh, vis-a-vis North Korea. But let's just, you know, start with what you just reviewed there. Uh, The the situation on the Korean peninsula is very tense, worse than it's been for years, in part, because the, you know, the, 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 the attempt by President Trump and former South Korean president Moon Jae-in to make the peace with North Korea failed because, uh, you know, there was an agreement on the table in 2019 between Trump and Kim uh, Jong-un, under which uh, the the North Korean side would have shut down about 80% of its nuclear nuclear facilities. And they wanted the United States in return uh, to end some of the sanctions, the most recent sanctions that were imposed on them in 2017 and 2018, and that was rejected by Trump and his, uh, you know, national security team. And since then, relations have plummeted. And and uh, you know, they they were they came very close to an agreement. And I think you know, as we look at that period, you know, the tensions were really reduced, and and there was. There was uh, South and North Korea had some very uh, important military agreements themselves of de-escalation at the border on the DMZ. Uh, but since 2019, uh, the North Koreans have, you know, after after they stopped testing long-range missiles, uh, and they've they've continued to test and, and gotten much more sophisticated in their in their missile capability. Uh, they have not tested another nuclear weapon. And I must say that they, although they, you know, this number that they claim, you know, uh, Hecker claims about the number of nuclear weapons they have um, sounds pretty high, but they have yet to put a nuclear weapon on a on a missile and have that, you know, be tested. Uh, so that hasn't happened yet. So, you know, I, I don't, I think they've exaggerated the situation a little bit. But in terms of escalation, there's been all these North Korean tests of of all kinds of weapons. But what has Biden done? Biden, uh, last August, uh, created a, uh, with the right-wing leaders of South Korea and Japan, uh, trilateral alliance linking the three militaries together in an unprecedented kind of alliance and this didn't get much attention here uh but you know it's the first time since korea was colonized that one part of korea is linked formally militarily with the japanese military yeah japan being their former colonizer right and and of course you know the combination of the u.s south korean and japanese military is very powerful and North Korea has always feared an attack by the U.S. And, and so they see this as a very formidable alliance arrayed against them. And it wasn't long after this three-way agreement was reached uh, that Kim Jong-un traveled to Russia to meet with Putin and you know toured his missile and weapons facilities in the Pacific part of Russia and, and of course, you know, the foreign minister for North Korea is is in is in Moscow now, I believe, but she was there this week, um, you know, so there's been this gradual escalation and, you know, the escalation on the US side is pretty big. I mean, for the first time ever. You know, they send a B-52 that are capable of dropping, you know, nuclear weapons. They they actually landed it in South Korea. Uh, and then they've had these trilateral military, military, uh, uh, you know, practices, uh, military drills with the South Korean and Japanese military. And so, you know, this is an escalation. And I think the, the authors of that piece you know, as knowledgeable as they are, have sort of de-emphasized the U.S. escalation and only focused on the North Korean. And I think that's a mistake.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm with you there. And, you know, um, in fact, I'd like to go back and talk all about the American side of this, even going back further, if you like, because, of course, America is the world empire, and also we're Americans. And so it's important coming upon us sort of whatever it's our responsibility to talk about our government's negative role in all of this and their refusal to negotiate when they could have that still does leave the north korean regime's uh position and all that open to question about how they're even if you call it a reaction or you know blowback or what have you that um there can be real consequences to them deciding well like for example you're talking about they decided to go and start talking with Putin and all this kind of thing where I guess I wonder about that part of the Hecker article where they had this doctrine of trying to get along with the United States if only Newt Gingrich and Dick Cheney and Barack Obama would let them right but um but that now they've quit that that now they're just forget it turning back to their West
1: well, you know, they they did try. I mean, you, you, there was a, about a twenty-year period when there was on and off talks, uh, negotiations. You know, some fairly extensive. You know, where there was this engagement that that you know really did reduce tensions for quite a long time, and and you know they 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 thought they had you know come pretty far when. There was these direct talks between Trump and Kim. And, you know, if you look during that time, you know, tensions were reduced considerably. And and there was talk of, you know, formally ending the Korean War, having a formal peace agreement, which has never been signed. It was only ended through an armistice. So, you know, there's a technical state of war that still exists with just an armistice. And you know that would have been a huge step to have a formal end to the war. But those negotiations and and any kind of agreement like that 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 uh, didn't end with you know immediate uh, denuclearization of North Korea, its removal of all its nuclear weapons, was scorned by the you know the the national security infrastructure, the national security. Uh, people in, in in Washington and all the think tanks and within inside the government. And, you know, there was yeah. tremendous opposition, if you remember, to Trump's even talking with the North Korean leader, uh, you know, you know, all the, you know, CNN, MSNBC, they all, you know, r- r- ridiculed Trump for, you know, talking with the dictator, as did Biden. Mm-hmm. And you know well to
0: the hey don't understate it Tim I mean they went completely berserk the democrats they
1: went, they went nuts yeah, I've the,
0: the democrats yeah. had trump's lawyer testify before congress right as he was meeting with exactly. the koreans and they had this narrative if people will remember the narrative was that ooh that crafty kim he's just going to walk all over trump and if trump makes any agreement of any kind here the narrative is set that what has happened is that wily korean completely manipulated and walked all over that idiot trump just in case he made a deal to say essentially whatever he's doing putin's bidding or whatever it was
1: right they went on and on about this and they and they you know and and you know to be fair i mean trump himself made it all personal and about him you know like all oh, their great friends and everything and he loves me et cetera, et cetera. uh you know i don't really think trump had much of an interest in actually solving the korean problem but he yeah. went further
0: and the, during the first meeting he brought john bolton with him and bolton really did sabotage the first meeting right
1: he well especially the second meeting i mean i mean the the one that in in 2019 in um in hanoi vietnam uh, you know, Bolton writes about it in, a, in his book about how that agreement would have been a disaster and would have sold the U.S. down the river and so on and so forth. Oh, that's but the one I was calling a, the first. It would, a, it would have been a significant, significant agreement if they, if they, had, if they had, you know, gone there. Uh, and, of course, this was, you know, strongly desired by the South Korean government at the time and the Korean people. Uh, You know, since then, you know, moon after moon, uh, you know, Korean presidents only serve one term, five-year terms. Uh, Since then, uh, an extreme right winger was elected very in a very narrow margin, uh, this guy, Yoon. And uh, he's also very pro-Japanese. And the agreement, you know this trilateral agreement that he reached with biden and kishida of japan he basically sold out you know korean interest you know by saying you know japan did not ever have to pay for the the war crimes they'd committed in terms of like using slave labor and and these so-called comfort women during world war ii he put let them off the hook completely And, you know, when I was in Korea last April, people in South Korea were really angry at the government, which is very unpopular. But, you you know, Biden and his people, Blinken, have been trying to get Japan, South Korea, and the U.S. to line up militarily, you know, since the days of the Obama administration. And, you know, under Obama, the situation was extremely tense as well. Well, and, that term- the same people making the same policy, right? They, they say, oh, we're open to negotiation with North Korea anytime, but only if they agree beforehand to, you know, get rid of their nuclear weapons, only if these negotiations lead to denuclearization. They don't, you know, they, they don't even try to like you know, have an arms control agreement or just, or even try to reduce tensions. Right. And so they say, you know, and they make it sound like, Oh, they're really interested in, in, in talks, but they're not. And they've, and, you know, Biden himself when he was running for president, you know, he attacked Trump for, you know, giving legitimacy to this dictator in North Korea following, you know, the, this, these liberal press attacks that you talked about for, and, but he, you know, By saying that, he was also criticizing President Moon of South Korea, who had also, you know, met several times with Kim and, and, you know, actually reached some significant agreements. And so he was basically, you know, they basically scrapped the whole idea of this kind of this kind of diplomacy. And after all, you know, diplomacy is not a way to talk to friends. Right. It's a way to deal with enemies. That's what diplomacy is all about. Well, and now they've totally failed at they've totally failed at this, and instead, this huge military buildup. I mean, you know, I saw it for myself. I'd never been to Okinawa last year. I, when I went to Okinawa, I was just stunned by the the number of military bases there and their dominance of the U.S. military in Okinawa. It's it's, it's absolutely amazing to see all these bases, and they're building new ones, and and so. You know, of course, they're, you know, they're gearing up for a war with China and they want South Korea and Japan to be part of that in case there's a war over Taiwan. Uh, but there's no respect whatsoever for the sovereignty of Korea, its desire for peace, its desire for, you know, eventual unification or some kind of agreement with North Korea. Um, and and I just think that the Biden policy has, has been a travesty. And, and it's very very dangerous. And 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 you know by by these these various commentators focusing only on the North Korean military buildup and 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 just not even talking about what the U.S. is doing, uh, I think is, is you know really is 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 fooling the American people. And and it's it's propaganda. It, it doesn't it doesn't deal with the fact that we are a huge imperial power, have been in that area. You know, for you know, eighty years practically, and and have refused really to engage in North Korea with North Korea that entire time.
0: Hey, you guys! Did you know that I don't just write books; I publish them. Well, the institute does, and I'm the director. So yeah, thirteen of them now, including my four. We published five more in 2023: Lori Calhoun and Tom Woods books about the COVID regime; Joe Solis Mullen on the fake China threat. Jim Bovard's latest Last Rights and our managing editor Keith Knights Domestic Imperialism. And we've got more great titles coming in 2024. Check them out at libertarianinstitute.org/books and help support our anti-government efforts at libertarianinstitute.org/donate. And thank you. Hey y'all, Scott here. Let me tell you about Robertson Roberts Brokerage Inc. Who knew Artificial bank credit expansion leads to price inflation and terribly distorted markets. If you've got any savings left at all, you need to protect them. You need to put some, at least, into precious metals. Well, Roberts and Roberts can set you up with the best deals on silver, gold, platinum, and palladium. And they've been doing this since 1977. Hey, if you just need some sound advice about sound money, they're there for you, too. Call Tim Fry and the guys at 800-874-9760. That's 800-874-9760. Or check them out at rrbi.co. That's rrbi.co. You'll be glad you did. All right, you guys, it's anti-war radio on KPFK here in L.A. I'm Scott Horton talking with Tim Shorrock about North Korea and Biden's policy towards them and the danger of it all. Now, this is something that goes back to the Trump years. I know that we talked about this before, but I think it's kind of apparent underlying in Everything that you're saying here, Tim, is that the North Koreans essentially are caught up in America's Cold War with China. And our bases in South Korea and Japan essentially use North Korea as a pretext because they don't want to be that provocative against the Chinese by declaring that that's what this is all really about.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's it's really a bad and, 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 and terrible situation. A lot of people in South Korea fear, you know, that they're going to be sucked into a war that will be in Korea. You know, it's going to affect Koreans. Right. And 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 so, you know, even you know, South Korea has had pretty good relations with China. Uh, they even had pretty good relations with Russia for for a long time. But you know, uh, with uh, with this right new right wing leader and under Biden's policies, they've been they've been slowly sucked into this you know confrontation with China and Russia. And, you know, the, the conservative governments now in South Korea and Japan are, are are going along with that. But I think in Japan itself, a lot of people are very, very, you know, very, very concerned about this and what it could do. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, well, I don't, you know, I just don't see any hope in, in Biden making any kind of initiative. Um, and the Democrats and the military industrial complex here in Washington you know as you say you know want to keep they want to keep the fires burning with north korea because that's the way they can justify these this huge number of bases that's the way they can justify this massive military spending if you read the military press like defense news publications like that there's always, you know, American generals talking about, like, you know, we have to, we're, we're preparing for a war with China. You know, they're building new marine bases in the Pacific. Uh, they're expanding the, you know, they're trying to build this U.S. Marine base in Okinawa. And and you and you listen to these American generals, and they're all talking about the coming confrontation with China and and how. You know, where there's going to be a mil. There's going to be a war. There's going to be a military confrontation, rather than you know trying to have some decent relationships with them again and 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 and, and trying to cool down the situation. They want to have this massive military.
0: Structure. Yeah, you know what, Tim was a great tell about that was when they announced this nuclear submarine deal with Australia. And they said, well, by the time we're done constructing the pens and getting the submarines operational and everything, we expect all that to be ready by 2050. In other words, yeah. they're looking forward to long term confrontation and militarization. And the concept that we would have a perfectly good peaceful coexistence with China worked out by then never occurred to them.
1: Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, American commentators rarely look at the provocative nature of what the U.S. does, you know. I mean, look, Nixon went there. They they decided to recognize the People's Republic of China instead of Taiwan as a legitimate government of China. Uh, and, and they said, you know, they support the eventual unification of China and Taiwan. And that is still official policy of the United States. But you know all this you know there the u.s is arming taiwan uh you know a new government has just been a new president has just been elected there uh who who, who wants to have you know a, more of a confrontational stance toward china yet a lot of people in taiwan voted for other candidates that did not want to have this kind of confrontational you know war situation and so you know like the us is really pushing the most militarist buttons it possibly can throughout throughout Asia and directed at China and and I think Amer- you know we as Americans need to look at how we you know fan the flames and how we our actions particularly in Korea you, you know antagonize the, the other side and antagonize North Korea and and you know actually the the one sort of big change in North Korean policy, on On Korea itself is that you know, in the last couple of days, last couple of weeks, Kim Jong-un has been talking about they no longer support the peaceful unification of North and South, and they see South Korea as an enemy and and they don't want to you know, they're gonna they're going abandon their 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 governmental uh, agencies that deal with you know relations with the South. And they're, they're they're saying, you know, there's no chance of, of unifying North and South except in a war. And and giving up the idea of like a peaceful unification. And actually, you know, this is this that itself is is quite a change. But I think it, they they're looking at South Korea under this new government of Yoon, and they and what he's been saying and, and how he's been attacking. You know his his predecessors were even engaging with North Korea, and they're saying, "Well, they've made a turn too, they, and they've signed this military alliance with Japan, so they are acting like an enemy." And so, you know, they they've responded to that. I mean, this is not this is not meant as a, a you know explain excuse for anything North Korea does, but you have to look at it through their eyes to understand their actions and what they say. And I think actually when I was in South Korea last year and I met with some people I'd known for many years and and known back to the 80s who'd been very active in the democratic movement in the 80s when it was still a dictatorship in South Korea. Um, This one friend of mine said, you know, he no longer supports, you know, a unification. He just wants to see a free and open Korea where there's North and South Korea, but there's no foreign troops on on. You know, in Korea, in Korea, there's no foreign troops in North Korea. There's only foreign troops in South Korea. He would like to see a situation where, you know, they, they coexist as two different countries, but people can travel back and forth and, you know, visit their families or, you know, visit the South, visit the North. Uh, he, he doesn't want to have necessarily a unified Korea, but they want to have a peaceful Korea where people can actually travel and go to the other countries.
0: Well, now, Tim, we're running short on time here, but it's really worth emphasizing, I think, the danger of conflict here, because, as you said, they have not proven that they have been able to marry a nuclear warhead to a missile. But they have launched a missile, at least one, high enough that all the mathematicians say that even though its trajectory was different, it could have reached D.C. And I read a report. I don't know if it's true, but at least there's rumors that they're testing hypersonic missiles uh, as well. And they are. And okay, so, and you know, maybe China's helping them with that or not, I don't know. So, I mean, and they do have, and this is all W. Bush's fault from 2002 him and John Bolton, the axis of evil speech, the sanctions, the uh, withdrawal from the agreed framework over the lie of the secret uranium enrichment program the adding them to the nuclear posture review, and all of that is what provoked them into withdrawing from the NPT and their safeguards agreement with the IAEA and embarking on this nuclear weapons program at that time. And they have tested a few, and I believe the last test included an attempted boost with tritium, which is sort of a half-assed H-bomb. So there's real danger here in war, and I guess— This is where I thought Hecker may have something, that the Americans think that if they just threaten everyone enough, they'll just get their way, but that keeps not working out for them. And in this case, they're talking about a small, weak country that they imagine they can push around, but that is sitting on a pile, even if it's just 24. They're sitting on at least 24 atom bombs. And that's enough to kill a lot of people in South Korea and Japan, including a lot of Americans.
1: And it's really important, like you just said, to go back to the origins of that until Bush turned his back on engagement with North Korea. You remember, President Clinton signed signed that agreement where they they actually shut down their nuclear facilities for nearly 10 years. And he was very, very close to an agreement of almost, you know, basically normalizing relations with North Korea and and ending the, the enmity, ending the war. And and when Bush came in, he said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're going to turn away from that. And he basically ripped up the agreement that Clinton signed. And of course, the North Koreans saw that as, you know, you know, why should they trust the U.S. anymore? And by 2006, they did not have a nuclear bomb until Bush, until Bush threatened them and refused to talk to them and canceled those talks 2006 that's when the bomb went off in North Korea they didn't have it until then so you know it's important to look back at that at that history and understand that you know how 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 disastrous that refusal to negotiate
0: was. And Obama basically just did nothing for eight years, right? Just held them at arm's length and said, endorse six party talks that never took place. And then that was just it, right? While the whole time they're adding to their atom bomb stockpile and improving their missiles.
1: Well, and they did this, you know, huge, you know, there was stories about, you know, the NSA penetrating its, you know, military control system and nuclear control system. And they were, they were trying to, you know, attack it you know electronically basically and mess it all up internally and they you know they did that and then and that you know that was like elect- that was war in another form i mean he was very uh, he was uh, you know went on the offensive against against north korea yeah and, and with the same people that are running uh biden's policy now i mean biden was part of that he was vice president right and you know tony blinken was the deputy national security advisor And his current, you know, Jake Sullivan was was also, you know, a key aide to Hillary Clinton at that time. Right. You know, so like they've been carrying out this hard line uh, for for quite a long time.
0: And I'm sorry, Tim, it's just not fair how fast time flies. We're out of time. Okay, thanks a lot,
1: Scott.
0: Thank you so much, everybody. That is Tim Shorrock. His book is called Spies for Hire, about the military contractors working for the National Security State. Very important stuff. And uh, he has spent a lot of his life over there in Korea, is a real expert. I'll encourage you to look at his Patreon, The Shorrock Files. He has a brand new one called Beyond Utopia, Another False Narrative About North Korea. Hey, thanks very much again for your time, Tim.
1: Thanks,
0: Scott. All right, you guys, and that's it for Anti-War Radio for today. I'm Scott Horton. Check out the full interview archive, 6,000 of them now, going back to 2003 at scotthorton.org and at youtube.com slash Show. Follow me on Twitter at scotthortonshow. And I'm here every Thursday from 2.30 to 3 on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. See you next week.